Okay, let's stand up and sing now. <laughs> After that.
John 15, starting in verse 2, says, He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be faithful unless you remain in me. Oh, 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 
Good morning, everyone. Um, we've come, come to the time in our service for communion. Um, we have stations set up on both sides and in the back. So anytime during, as the band plays this next song, feel free to take communion. Uh, either, either by yourself, with your family or friends, all we ask is you be a believer in Christ. Give me a second. Should have worn my glasses. Over the last couple of couple of weeks, we've heard Corey say our mission is to help every person possible find real life in Jesus and look more like him every day. Then last week in his communion talk, Trevor talked about struggles. Um, from just before Thanksgiving through Christmas, I had to work every Sunday. Uh, after a couple of weeks, I read, the more church you miss, the easier it is not to go back. I thought, that won't happen to me. And it, it di didn't really. But I did find myself struggling and not looking like Jesus. Um, I was easy, easily irritated by little things, would get road rage, especially when I was out delivering mail, irritable, and I could probably think of more. After watching the Christmas Eve service online, I realized how far I was drifting. I was ready to get back to church and get myself right. I know I'm not perfect, and Jesus loves me, even though I mess up a lot. So let's use this time and get our hearts and minds right with God, and never forget the sacrifice Jesus made for us, dying on the cross for our sins. Let's pray. Uh, Father, just want to thank you for that sacrifice, giving your son to die on the cross for our sins. Um, I ask you, touch everyone here, open our ears and eyes and our hearts to Corey's message. In Jesus' name we pray. Then you look at this prisoner and say to me, son, stop fighting a fight that's already been won. I am redeemed. You said me.
want you all to know that um, when Tristan lived in our house, her pants went all the way to the ground. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Why you gotta be like that? I'm pretty sure these are the same kind of pants that Hacksaw Jim Duggan used to wear. Get off me. I'm <laughs> she was always the one with fashion sense in the, in the, uh, the I, I can tell you something else before we get to the the uh, giving song this morning, and, uh, and that has to do with Jeff, who just came up here and gave the um, communion talk. Is that me, Dave, or are you? <laughs> Is it scratching or something? Weird. Okay. Um, <laughs> so Jeff, uh, Jeff's been coming here for a number of years. He's one of our setup crew. He comes early uh, in the morning and helps us get everything set up. And uh, Jeff was just like most of you a few years ago when I said, hey, Jeff, how about, would you like to do communion talks? And he was um, petrified. If you've been coming here for a while, you, you may remember how he acted and looked when he first got up here. <laughs> like this white sheet all the time, a really hard time, but... Uh, uh, anyway, it's awesome that uh, Jeff is, is willing to come and to share with us and, and uh, certainly share from the heart there. So thanks, buddy, for being willing for that all the time. Um, so this week, your regular at, at Real Life, our um, giving statements went out. And so uh, it's the first of the year. We've got so much time to get those things out. And because in 2019 we switched to a new digital giving solution, I think it was around June, um, some of those, uh, some of you who've been coming all year, maybe gave through different options, um, may receive two different giving statements, a digital copy and a paper copy. So if you already got that email, and if you're one of those people who doesn't check email, maybe go and check that. Um, but uh, look there, you should have that giving statement. And I just want you to know that if you didn't see all of your contributions, then you're probably going to be receiving a second statement uh, very soon, probably the early part of this week. Um, we are, in 2020, we're changing up the way we record those contributions. So next year, however you choose to give, cash, check, um, card, online, a computer, or on your mobile device, um, you'll just receive one statement. Um, for those of you who have used our online giving option, I want you to know that if your statement, that in that uh, digital giving statement, 
if it looks like you might be missing some contributions, there is a way for you to go and kind of claim those, and I'll explain what happened and why those aren't uh, listed in your thing in just a second. Um, but on that uh, digital giving statement that you got when you go to the website and you look at your uh, giving account, um, there is a website that I put in there where you can go and claim those gifts uh, by just filling out a little bit of information. If you have your bank statement, you'll be able to do that really, really easily. I also want to make you aware that if you give using your mobile device, please do yourself uh, and those of us who work in administration stuff at uh, the church and in the office, um, please do yourself and us a couple of favors. Number one, when you give through the mobile uh, giving device or on the app, um, please take a moment to set up an account when you go through that process. When you set up an account, um, we then know who you are. Um, as many of you have given through that, and um, there may be an email, and some of you may not have put an email in, so we don't have any idea who it is that's giving. Now, that's set up that way so that it can be really easy and really quick, and so you can just give, and you don't have to put all that stuff in. But if you're a regular here at Real Life, we really need to know who you are so we can associate those gifts uh, to your account and get them attributed to you. Um, it also will keep you from having to go back at the end of the year and claiming any gifts that you made digitally. So just make sure that you um, sign in. Once you've created an account, you are um, signed in and you're ready to give. When you pull out your mobile device to give, um, if your information doesn't automatically pop up in, in the giving flow that you're doing, then you're probably not signed in. And another way for you to check is just to look up in the upper right-hand corner. If there's a little person icon up there, you're signed in. If you're not signed in, it says sign in. And so it'd be great if you would click that, take a second to sign in, and then you'll see that all the stuff from the last time you gave will pop up back in there. It'll be really easy. And then you just click give um, and, and you're done. Okay, so uh, anyway, hopefully you, you can get that. If you have questions, you can talk to me or talk to Deanna um, afterwards, and we'll get that straightened out for you. But um, want to make that as easy as possible. Um, just sign in. Make sure you're always signed in, and you shouldn't have any problems at, um, at all. And so if you're one of those people who's come, like I know some folks have come to Deanna and gone, hey, uh, I gave, but I don't know if it went through or whatever, that's probably because you weren't signed in. And uh, so just make sure that you do that, okay? So um, when you give, thank you, because we're able to keep doing what we're doing. We're telling people about Jesus on the other side of the globe uh, and, and here at home. And uh, we're telling kids about Jesus and adults about Jesus. And just thank you for giving. So you can give this morning with cash or check uh, in the buckets that are going to come, come through and be passed through the aisles today. Uh, you can also go to that mobile device, reallifecc.us. Click in the orange icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Uh, sign in or create an account if you've never done it before, and then you should be good to go. All right, let's pray, and then the guys will come forward. Heavenly Father, thank you for all that you give us. And I want to uh, thank the folks here at Real Life especially for just their generosity over the last year. And we continue, God, to see more people come to you and, and, and be, be, uh, uh, be inspired and see their lives changed because of you. And even the things that we're able to do, like broadcast the service uh, live on Facebook, um, and, and Jeff was able to watch the Christmas Eve service, and you were dealing with his heart even then. And so, God, thank you for people who give so that we can get the message about Jesus Christ uh, out to many more people. So God, would you continue to bless us this year as your people continue to give support the work that you're doing uh, in and through and among us here at Real Life. And uh, 
God, would you just receive the glory for that? In Jesus' name, amen. So your family knows you best, loves you most, and drives you the absolute craziest, right? <laughs> That's not just my family, I'm sure. That's the way family is. It's true that the greatest causes of both joy in our life and frustration are usually associated with our families. Every family has problems, and even the family that looks the best on the outside, you know those families that show up to church, they always look all put together and everybody is nice to each other and all smiles. Sometimes those families that look the best on the outside um, are really messed up on the inside. And there's a really simple reason for that. Family is hard. It gets hard to be a parent. It's hard to be a child. It's hard marrying into a, a family. Just ask my son or daughter-in-law. It's hard. It's hard for those who have been adopted in or blended in. It's hard for two-parent families and single-parent families and four-parent families. It's hard for traditional families. It's hard for same-sex families. Can we just agree that family is hard? In the old Christmas favorite, it's a, it's a Wonderful Life, and probably many of you have seen that. Uh, they show it every year on those uh, cable channels. There's a scene where George Bailey comes back home at the end of the day and his life is just unraveling. And he walks in the door of his home and the kids have got the place just destroyed. You ever come home from a long day at work and you walk in and there's just toys everywhere and it's a mess. And he walks in and he's stepping over the toys and he's overcome and the kids all run to him. Uh, you know, like daddy's home, it's exciting. And they're all vying for his attention at the same time. And in a moment of just frustration, he screams out, why'd we have to go and have all these kids anyway? And if you're a child, that's kind of shocking. But if you're a parent and you're watching that, you kind of snicker. Because we've all been, like if you're a parent, you've been there. You've been there in times you've just said, what in the world were we thinking? When we had all these kids, this is crazy. Family is difficult. And if you're a little younger and you're like, it's a wonderful life, what is that? that who's George Bailey? Um, let me give you a more modern example. Just watch any episode of This Is Us and uh, you'll get the same thing. Whether you were born into family or brought into a family at some point, we're all part of a family and all of us know the hardships that come with that. Maybe you've never had kids before. Maybe you're widowed or you never had, had blood family to speak of. Well, if you're a Christian this morning, then this is your blood family in Jesus. And if you need a visual of the, the triumphs and the tragedies of family, look no farther than your church family, right? Just look around. And, and, and this is a church, we call it real life because that's what's going on. And, and their tragedy and triumphs all the time. 
There's situations and things going on as we look down the rows, and, and we don't even know what's happening in the lives of those around us. Family is difficult. Church family is difficult. But today we're going to look at the family as an actual light. Like the psalmist who wrote that the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, we're going to see how our families, whether that's biological or spiritual, was created by God to be a lamp for us and a light to the world. And I think that it's fitting that we're talking about family today because just two days ago, during the March for Life in D.C., for the first time ever, a sitting president spoke to that group of the sanctity of life and the importance of family. When we see our family the way God sees it, I believe we'll have a clearer vision and greater effectiveness in our lives and for the kingdom of God. And so over the last several weeks, we've been looking at this 2020 vision, how to see clearly in this new year. And we started off by talking about how to see God clearly and see him as the foundation. He's the, the redeemer and savior of our lives. Everything we have and all of the hope that we have in Jesus goes back to God. and It's all from him. And that foundation gives us the understanding that we need to, to know how, who we are. And so last week we talked about how we see ourselves how we function in life and how we grow in that. And so today, we're going to look at how we see our family. But before we dive into that, I want to speak to those of you who may not be in or come from a healthy family unit. Whether you're currently living through a family or marriage that is breaking apart, or you're the product of a broken family or broken marriage, if you come maybe from a highly dysfunctional family or marriage, then I want you to hear this this morning. Don't let what you've experienced cause you to miss out on what God intended. Don't let the things you've experienced in your life cause you to miss out on what God intended. Because sometimes, because of the experiences we've been through, we have this idea of what family is like, or what it should be like, or how a relationship should be. And we begin to judge everything else based on our experience instead of on what God intended. And we end up missing out on so many of the blessings of God because we're tied to what happened. We're not looking forward to what God's going to make happen. While God's word appoints to the ideal benchmarks of family and marriage and raising children and even how for each of us we're to live, it's also full of stories of God's grace in the midst of brokenness. Because God knows there is no perfect family. But we can all still grow in faithfulness and intentionality within the families that we've been given, whatever they may look like. Let me give you a few examples of what I'm talking about. One generation from the Garden of Eden, right? The Bible says in Genesis 3 that Adam and Eve walked in the garden in the cool of the day and they talked with God. We remember that after their sin, God comes, right? And he's walking. He's like, where are you? And they're hiding from him. He wanted to have a conversation with them. He wanted to hang out with them. And, they, and, and they're hiding because of their sin. And just one generation from that comes Cain and Abel, the sons of Adam and Eve, and Cain killed his brother. That caused a huge split in the family. After Noah and his family got off the ark, um, 
Noah was so excited that he planted a vineyard, the Bible says. And, and he was so excited when he harvested those grapes that he made some wine. And then when that came ripe, he drank that wine, and then he got drunk. And then he got, like, you know, what happens when you get drunk? You get a little stupid. And one of his sons saw him, and probably one of his grandsons saw him, and instead of honoring him, they made a joke of him. In modern terms, um, I would say they did the equivalent of um, taking Noah's personal failure, videotaping that, and posting it on TikTok for the whole world to see. Isaac and Rebekah. Remember, Isaac is Abraham's son through whom God was going to bless the world. Imagine having that be like your family legacy. Oh, by the way, your family is going to bless the whole world. There's no pressure, right? So Isaac and Rebekah, Isaac, Isaac and Rebekah have two sons, Esau and Jacob, who were constantly fighting with each other. In fact, this family, these brothers, um, be become so divided that even today, their offspring are still fighting. Later, Jacob is named Israel, and his oldest ten sons sell the eleventh son, their brother, as a slave into Egypt because they hate him so much. And they hate him because Jacob, their father, was playing favorites, and he loved Joseph more than the others. By the way, that's a trait he learned from his mom and dad who also chose favorites. Jacob was his mom's favorite, and Esau was his dad's favorite. That family of promise... Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, through whom all the families and all the people of the world to be, were to be blessed, a family that was to exist to help every nation see and follow God is divided by selfishness and envy and even hatred. See, as God planned it, the family was never meant to be the focus of our lives, but the foundation from which we launch our lives. Parents do not exist for their children, and children do not exist for their parents. I've seen both happens in families, and both of those scenarios lead to dysfunction. Parents and children exist together for God's great purpose. And we're going to look at that today. We'll see that purpose in what King Solomon, the wisest man in history, has to say about the family. And so if you want to follow along today, we're going to be in Psalm 127. So it's in the middle of your Bible. It's Old Testament, but it's about the middle of your Bible. 127, you have a paper Bible or uh, in your uh, mobile device, you can follow along there. You can also go to reallifecc.us, click on the My Message Notes link, and all the notes are going to be there, and the scripture references, all the main points are there as well. Um, also, on the My Message Notes page, um, there's some questions for a little further uh, interaction. And so um, if you're watching on Facebook Live, you can go to reallifecc.us, click on My Message Notes, and you can kind of swap back and forth and look at those as well. So here's what Solomon has to say about the family in chapter 127. There's only five verses in the chapter. We're only going to look today at the last uh, three, three, four, and five. Solomon says, don't you see that children are God's best gift? The fruit of the womb is generous legacy. Like a warrior's fistful of arrows are the children of a vigorous youth. Oh, how blessed you are as parents with your quivers full of children. Your enemies don't stand a chance against you. You'll sweep them right off your doorstep. 
I think many family problems start when the family's focus turns inward. When we make life all about the family, when our sole purpose is to serve the family and protect the family, to honor the family and and act like we exist for the sake of the family. I I really think that we see this in, in past generations. Every generation thinks that the one before it did it wrong and the one after it is completely crazy, right? Every generation, it doesn't matter which one you're in. We all think we got it right and everybody else got it wrong. One of the things that we notice in past generation is that children with differing abilities were born and then, in effect, were hidden from the rest of the world. Right? When problems and, and challenges and, and failures um, happened, those things were kept silent. They were locked away in emotional vaults, and families were bound by their secrets, not their substance. We didn't want anybody else to know what was going on in our lives. Now, you, you probably know if you've been here very long, you know that my family, my mom and dad, dad was a, a pastor, mom was a preacher's wife, they grew up in that generation when you didn't let anything that went on in family be seen by anybody who was outside of the family. And I remember growing up and really having this idea that we had to make sure everybody else thought, you know, because we were preacher's kids, we had to make sure that everybody else thought we had it right, that we were good, that there were no issues, no problems, everything was going um, just the way we planned it. That wasn't always the truth, right? There were always issues and struggles and problems and things going on in the family, but what you had to show to everybody else was that everything was great. As the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob grew, troubles increased, It really became for that entire family that was growing into a nation, it became an us versus them existence. It became for them all about the family. Like the Godfather, they were never to go against the family. I'm not very good at Italian. It became all about the family, and then it became all about the family on a national scale, so that instead of being the light on a hill that God intended the nation of Israel to be, they became an island unto themselves. And they ended up saying, we're the children of Abraham or Isaac or Jacob, and and so we're good, God is with us, and and you guys on the outside, you're, you're no good. Like, you can't come in, you can't be a part of what we're doing. And that was nothing. Excuse me, not at all what God had intended. Instead of existing for God's sake, or for the kingdom of God's sake, this family turned inward, and eventually they abandoned their purpose. And then later when Jesus came along, the disciples began to preach that every person, every nationality could come to faith in God through Jesus Christ. Those people who were supposed to be the light on the hill tried to shut down They're brothers and sisters who are trying to tell people about Jesus. This is why God's word, I think, is so important to our lives. That even when we fail, we have a standard to go back to. We have a place to look that helps us see how things are supposed to be. What we should strive for, even when we struggle. And so in Solomon's Words In our text today, I I see this principle, that a strong family is to be a strong force. A strong family is a strong force, whether that's in defending attacks or preparing for action. 
And both of those are mentioned in these verses. A family's ability to advance the goal is what we see when he talks about having a fistful of arrows. Right? If you're an archer and you have arrows in your hand, you know that you can defend, that you can go on the offense, that you can attack. I've got arrows. I can continue to fight. It's the ability to defend an attack as well, though, by sweeping the enemy away. He talks about in the last verse there. And so when you have arrows, you're able to advance the attack and you're able to defend your, your position. And so a strong family creates a firm foundation. The analogy of an archer with a fistful of, of arrows. An archer in battle without arrows is unable to advance an attack or defend his position. So we see that playing out in our lives. When we have children, when we have a strong family, there's that strong foundation. We can advance the causes that are important to us and we can defend from things that are coming on the outside. A strong family creates a firm foundation because it not only allows the children to grow in safety, but as they grow, they're able to help provide security. See, the foundation not only helps them stand as they grow, it helps them launch out with confidence when they grow up. And that's really the goal. If you're a parent, we want our children to grow, to grow up, right? We want them eventually to grow up. And sometimes we got to give them the nudge, you know, to help that a little bit. But that's the goal. When our children, biological or spiritual, and whether you have children of your own or, or not, um, as a spiritual family here, at Real Life, in this room, we have children. There's a bunch of little infants right over here in Little Lifers. And, and third graders through fifth, or three-year-olds through fifth graders over here in the room. And, and nearly 50 kids on Sunday are being taught about Jesus. Those kids that are represented by those who are watching online. We become the spiritual family for those children. And when our children grow up in a strong family, they become a strong force, I think, in two ways. First... When they grow up in a strong family, they have the confidence as they grow. They have confidence to know that, that mistakes are not fatal and there's unconditional love in the family. That I can always go home, no matter how bad I screwed up or what went on, I can always come home and I'm going to be loved. Now, I may be held accountable, but I'm going to be loved through that. Secondly, they have confidence as they go. Because they know that, that their family, whether present with them or far away, their family is behind them, always cheering, always ready to charge to their rescue and stand with them in trouble. And so we see both sides of those things playing out. When we grow children in healthy and strong families, there's not just strength when they're there and confidence when they're at home to know that even if I mess up, I can be a, I'm a part of something that's bigger than me, but then it gives them that foundation. They know that when they go off, they have something to come back to. They have a firm foundation. I know that I can go out and I can try new things and I can fail because my family is going to be there and they're going to love me. Understanding God's purpose for the family gives us a straighter path to success. See, families that exist for the purposes of God, I think, understand two important truths. First, they understand that they are to be a lamp to the family. 
And you think about what a, what a lamp does. One of my favorite things to do um, when I study or if I'm reading a book or something is to turn off all the lights in the room except for a small lamp that lights up my, my desk or the book that I'm reading. I love that feeling of just having enough light there to see what I'm doing and kind of being dark. It helps me to shut everything else out and to focus on those things that are most important to me. A lamp. It helps families focus on what is most important for them. Building a strong foundation of faith, support, and encouragement. Strong families that understand their purpose are not just a a lamp that that illuminates the most important things for the family, but they become a, a, a lamp for those families around them and the neighborhoods around them and the people who might come to Christ because of them. Strong families that understand their purpose are a lamp in their neighborhoods for Jesus where other kids and families can see him. Secondly, strong families are to be a light to others. A light is something that others can see, right? A a lamp is is focused on what's right here, what's important in front of me, but a light is going to show what's important down the road. And a light only illuminates those things that it's pointed towards, right? And so I'm going to shine my light. I'm going to shine my my flashlight. And it illuminates what's in front of me and it helps me see where to go. But it also blocks out everything else. Like everything else is in the dark. I can't see that stuff. It keeps me from getting off to the right or to the left. A light can be seen at a distance. And it not only draws others to it, but it helps us follow the right path. Eventually, children will leave, and we want them to have a clear understanding of the direction that that they should go. Hopefully, that direction um, ends with Jesus, and they should be pointed to him. And so it helps them stay on the right path as they leave home. It also helps them avoid the things that might get them sidetracked. But that light can also be seen by others, and hopefully will draw them to us. Like an arrow in the hand of an archer, children who grow up in strong families have straighter paths. That doesn't mean that they don't make mistakes, right? That they don't fail, that they don't get sidetracked at all. It means that they always have a clear path to get back on track. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 14, or verse 4, excuse me, says that we are to bring up children in the training and instruction of the Lord. Parents, we're to bring up our children in the training and instruction of the Lord. And Solomon wrote in Proverbs 22, 6, that when you start children off on the way they should go, a lamp and a light, that firm foundation we talked about, even when they're old, they'll not part from it. Let me give you two, two examples, because I think um, in, in, in many ways, um, Andrea and I failed when it came to, to being parents. There are a lot of things that we could have done a lot better. And as a pastor, there are a lot of things I, I, I think, man, I should have done that. But I was thinking about that this, 
this week, and I'm, I'm reading things about how as parents we should um, involve our children in, um, in serving and stuff, and, and how we should maybe create like a, a family purpose statement. Here's what our goal is as a family. My older brother was really good at that. There was a wall in his basement that had pictures of his family interspersed with, with Bible verses and then kind of their, their purpose or their mission as a family uh, was there on the wall. You could see it every time you walked by. We didn't do that. Now, thankfully, God was with us, and he helped us through a lot of those things. Our son Trent kind of helped to solidify us around some of that stuff. But I was thinking this week about some of the things that we did do right and kind of by accident. And I'm telling you this so that you can maybe do it with more intention than we did. One of the things that we wanted was that our children would grow up and they would enjoy being together, that they would want to be with the family. When my brothers and sisters and I um, grew up, we wanted to be gone. We didn't want to be at home. We wanted to be gone. We wanted to see what else was, was out there. We wanted our children to want to come home, to want to be around each other, to want to spend time together. And so while we didn't create some kind of mission statement or purpose statement, that really was our goal. And so we, we tried to encourage our children. And, and when they fought with each other, we dealt with them in a way that would we try to encourage them to, to, to maintain that family relationship. Now, no family is perfect there. And our children fought and they struggled together. But you know what? They enjoy being at home. And for the most part, they enjoy being together. There's still little things that drive each other crazy with the other ones, and they've all got their little quirks, but they like coming home. They want to be home for, for holidays. They want to come over and, and hang out, and we are very thankful about that. The other thing that happened that, that just kind of happened, because I'm a pastor and because we're planning a church, church-like was our life. Everything that was going on was around church. And, and so our kids, um, not just they didn't just see that in me, they were um, expected and encouraged to be a part of that. And so from a very young age, our kids were in church all the time. They were serving in church. They got given um, responsibilities and roles in that and things that they were to do. And so church really became a kind of a central hub for our lives, and everything else flowed out of that. And none of those things that we might try to do as parents to have the best family structure possible. None of those guarantees that we won't have struggles in our family or that our children will be perfect. But it means that as a parent or as a church family, we can work together to grow them to be the best uh, and, and, and be on the straightest path, be the best they can and be on the straightest path. So let me share a few practical ways to develop a strong family. The first one is this. Parents, you need to look like Jesus. As a parent, that should be your goal, to look like Jesus, not just to those around you, but certainly to your family. Sometimes we put off on the greatest face we give to other people, and then our family sees us at our worst. And so I just want to encourage you, especially if you're a father, model to the best of your ability your heavenly father and if you've been here very long you've probably heard me say this before and and I, it always kind of gets under people's skin but I'm gonna say it again because I think it's true if you don't want your children to do it stop doing it whatever that might be drinking smoking cursing 
sexual immorality, cheating, being lazy, fighting with your spouse. If you don't want your child to grow up and do those things, you stop doing them. Because children function so much more off what is caught than what is taught. And you can tell your children all day long, don't say that, don't do that, don't think that. But if you're saying and doing and thinking those things, that's what they're going to catch. Secondly, we need to point to God. Maybe it's just a sunset or a new day or a problem at school or a mistake. When you're in the family and in those moments, point to God and his word. Use God's word as a, as a standard for behavior, not just a means to scold. Let me tell you how that works. Oftentimes a kid does something. Maybe they take something that's not theirs. They say something they shouldn't at school. They do something they shouldn't. And they come home, and we want to beat them over the head with a Bible. Not just our kids, but other people, right? They come in, and we go, you shouldn't do that. And the Bible says this, and we start to scold them with God, God's word. Instead, we need to hold God's word up as a standard. And, and we need to say, look... We shouldn't do those things because of Jesus. There's a standard for us in our lives. And you're a follower of Jesus, and so this is the standard for you. And so don't steal, not just because it's wrong or because I said so. I hated that. My mom used to say that, because I said so. Why? There's got to be a reason for that. And I think as parents, we should give them that reason. Look, we don't steal because we're trying to be a light to a world that is in the dark. And we want them to see Jesus and be saved and have the hope of eternal life with him. And if we blow it by knocking them over the head with the Bible and scolding them with God's word, instead of encouraging them to follow his standards, we're blowing it with them. So point to God at every, every place possible. Third, focus on purpose. As parents, we're not raising children, we're raising adults. And more than that, we're raising followers of Jesus. The last few weeks I've been going through the nursery and the kids' room and I've been, I've been praying before we begin setting up in the morning. And it's, and it's amazing to me as I think about the kids that are in there and the number of those kids that are growing in those areas. And, and I think, God, in this room this morning might be a future pastor or leader or teacher. Maybe not even a worker in the, in the church, but somebody who's out in the world and doing great things in the world. And so I'm praying that God would capture their heart right now so that they would see their purpose in whatever their job is that they would see their purpose to shine the light of Jesus wherever they go and whatever they do if they're going to be a light the light of the world then we've got to be the lamp that helps them see what's really important so here's the bottom line today maybe you've been waiting for it because usually that comes in the opening part of the message here's the bottom line families aren't just for us they're for others. They're to help others see Jesus. Through us, just like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the world should come to know and love God. And if you and I, as, as parents and, and, and as adults in church, in our spiritual family with the kids uh, here, if we blow this, it doesn't just affect us. It doesn't just affect our family. It affects the spiritual lives and the futures of hundreds and maybe thousands of others. My family wasn't perfect growing up, but they gave me a solid foundation in faith. They helped me see God's purpose so that I would become a pastor, 
And now in the last church I pastored and, and, and here at, at Real Life, we're well over 200 people that have been baptized because of my family's faithfulness. Because they gave me that foundation to fail and continue to seek God. People have come to know Jesus. What can be accomplished through our spiritual family here at Real Life? Through your lives and, and the lives especially of those nearly 50 young people between birth and fifth grade who are part of our spiritual family, there's incredible things that could be accomplished through us. So I just want to close by saying this. Moms and dads, thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for teaching your children the importance of being a part of a spiritual family. Coming into a place like this where they can they can learn that foundation. Thank you for modeling that at your home. And, and look, I'm, I want to I want to say maybe you're one of those many people who come to real life as an adult and your children are already raised or mostly raised. And, and maybe you're sitting there this morning and you're kind of thinking, I, I blew it. I didn't raise my child in a in a home with faith. I I didn't give them that strong foundation. I, I want you to know this. That as they see the change in your life, their lives will be changed. And even though you maybe didn't raise them up to, to know God and to know Jesus, by your example, they will see that. And at some point, our prayer is that they would come to you and say, okay, what's different? What's going on? This used to cause you to do this, and now you're doing that. And, and I just live your life for Jesus. And they're going to see him in you. If you're feeling convicted maybe that you haven't been a great example to your kids, let me just encourage you to apologize to them and then start over. One of the ways I think we as parents mess up is that we don't take the time to say I'm sorry to our children. I flew off the handle said things that I shouldn't have said. I shouldn't have done that, and I did it. Please forgive me. We move on. Look, whether you grew up in a great family or a terrible family, today we want to invite you to be a part of our spiritual family through faith in Jesus. To grow and uh, to grow with us and to become a, a strong family of strong families. To become a strong force for Jesus in the world around us, a lamp that keeps us grounded and a light that keeps us going. Look, you can go to reallifecc.us and click on the next steps link and, and then on the I'm ready link. Or you can stop at the connection hub after the service and say, look, I'm ready to join the family. Maybe you've been coming for a while and, and you kind of feel like, hey, this is my home, this is my family. I want to encourage you to take your maybe first next step here as a part of real life and register for the next Pizza with the Pastor. Adam talked about it this morning. It's happening next Sunday right after church. We're going to feed you. We're going to help you understand what it is that we believe God is trying to do with our family and how he may be wanting to build you in as a part of that family. And so I want to encourage you to do that. You can register for that uh, on the website. Or you can go back to the Connection Hub when we're done here in just a moment and do it, do it that way. 
Look, how we see our family is going to determine how the rest of this year goes. And if we see our families with purpose and we do our best to build a firm foundation for them in faith, then 2020 is going to be a lot straighter of a path for us than it would have otherwise been. Let's pray. God, I thank you for giving us an example, and I thank you for loving us even when we fail. God, you give us, as we look through your word, you give us a perfect, a, a perfect example of what a family ought to be. When people in the Bible messed up, and they did at every opportunity, there was discipline. But over that, there was this incredible you are the Father who isn't turning his back on, on us when we've messed up. You are running to us. Father, we thank you for giving us that example. God, for those who, who weren't raised in, in strong families, for those who are struggling with memories of their mom or their dad or siblings, and God, I pray that you would give them strength and grace to deal with that. God, I pray that, that they wouldn't let their past experiences taint what you want to do in their future. And so God, would you continue to love us and watch over us? And would we at real life be a spiritual family rooted in the firm foundation of your word and, and prepared, God, to do everything that you call us to and when we make each other mad and we go through struggles, God, would you give us grace for that? Would you help us to be merciful? Would you help us to say, you know what? The blood of Jesus that binds us together in this family is stronger than any of the failures that we might have. We ask this in Jesus' name.
Have a great week.